Well, good morning and welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, as you can see, my team did not make it, um, but that's okay because this message, we're talking about faith and I am calling down heaven and believing in things that I don't see uh, in hopes that I will see it this following season. I'm practicing uh, my faith, uh, but in all seriousness, I am, I'm excited that you guys decided to join us this morning. I realize there's a lot of other things you could be doing, but you are putting this uh, as a priority and you are starting your day off right. Uh, but as we move into this, there's going to be some challenging things I'm going to say um, because it has to do with action. I'm not trying to make a, a, a speak a message where it doesn't cause you to want to do something. I'm a big believer and I don't want to sit here and just talk about it. I want to go and do it. I want to see God move. I don't want to hear about him. I want to see him move in my life. So we're going to go like right into it. I'm going to be Coach Alex this morning. But I want you guys to really set aside this time. Don't half listen to this, uh, but really open your, your hearts up um, to the message and what God is wanting to speak to you. I don't do anything by myself. That God speaks through me because of the spirit that I carry. That the, the Holy Spirit is what is going to speak to you this morning. That I say that, not half-heartedly, but I know that it will happen. But you're going to get what you're looking for. What are you looking for this morning? You ever found it that uh, I feel like in, in real life that when you are looking for the remote, you cannot find it. When you are looking for your keys, you cannot find it. But you'll have them on hand at any other day or it's not an issue. But for whatever reason, when you are actually trying to look for, for something, uh, it doesn't seem like you can, you can find it. Does that, I, that's not even in my notes, but I've just thought of that uh, when I'm thinking about that. I feel like a lot of times when I'm trying to find something, I cannot for the life of me find it. But I remember thinking the previous day, I just saw that. Like, I remember just seeing that. Where did I put it? And I'm retracing my steps. Now, for some of you that are watching, you feel like that's how God is. That you're looking and you're pursuing and you're trying hard, but you are not getting what you are looking for. I want to tell you that this morning that God wants to encounter you, that your, your pursuit will not go unanswered, that it says that when you draw near to Christ and when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So keep pressing forward and keep seeking after him, not his hand, but his heart, because his heart is to encounter you. This morning, we're talking about faith. Uh, the title of this sermon is called Hail Mary Faith. Super corny, it being Super Bowl Sunday, but you know, we're embracing it. Uh, I think uh, a, a lot of us are so caught up in our action and our, and our feelings and what other people are thinking that we're just left uh, paralyzed from actually doing anything. Um, I thought of this when, when I was at a Timberwolves game. That You know the jumbotrons that you see like in the arenas, even at football games, and they'll, they'll put a camera around and they're looking for the craziest dancer um, in the arena. Now, you, you are not guaranteed to be on that jumbotron, that they pick it and there are thousands of people that are in there and you might look like an idiot dancing and try to get their attention, but you never, you might not ever get on the screen. And so 
I'm thinking, you know, it would be pretty cool to, to get an Instagram post with um, me on the screen and I'm dancing and I, I get to snap the picture that, look, at I was on the jumbo screen at the Timberwolves game. Uh, that'd be a cool thought. The reward looks cool, but to get it, uh, to get there is a little bit daunting that I have to look like an idiot and dance around and compete with the dude that's taking off his shirt and trying to get on the jumbotron, making a fool of himself so the camera will catch him. Uh, I'm going to have to one-up everybody else if I'm wanting to gain the attention of that jumbotron camera operator. And, you know, I sat in my seat and I just didn't think it was worth it. You know, it's not really that worth it. Um, and this is something that you have to ask yourself. Is this worth it? I think a lot of Christians don't see the weight of what Jesus did on that cross and, and, and the weight that we carry uh, with our belief because it's not a belief that influences their actions. Is this worth it to you? Now, if the reward is big enough, what Jesus said is that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was that joy? Do you know what you're living for? Or is this just a tradition for you? You need to understand that. I think that every one of you that are watching right now, you've thought to yourself, now I want to experience God. I want to see him like he moves in the Bible, but why don't I see him? And then maybe that's a reason for you saying that he's not real, that you haven't encountered him. I haven't encountered Jesus, so I'm going to sit where I'm at and just maybe hopefully the camera operator moves his attention towards me when I'm sitting in here and I'm not making any effort to draw near uh, because I might look like a fool. Now I realize that this camera operator jumbotron idea is not a direct parallel, but it's pretty close um, to how God operates, that there was people that came to Jesus. Look all throughout Matthew. Um, this is not even in my notes, but God's spe speaking to me right now, that look all throughout Matthew. Right now, whatever you're doing, keep the message on. Look on your computer or something. Look at all the times Jesus healed people, and you'll start to notice a pattern. By their faith, they were healed. By their faith, they were healed. There was even a point where Jesus was on the way to heal someone else who had had a request for him. And they were moving through the crowds with his disciples. There's tons of people gathered around him. It was like the Minnesota State Fair. And he's trying to get through everybody. And then there was a woman uh, that touched the back of his cloak that had an issue of bleeding. And she had been dealing with this issue for years, needing to be healed. And she touches the back of his cloak. And he stops and realizes uh, that power had went out from him. And the disciples were like, he said, someone touched me. And, and the disciples were like, well, Jesus, duh, you're going through crowds of people. Don't you think you're going to bump into a couple people? Like, what are you talking about? And he goes, no, power went out from me. And then he asked her to step forward, whoever it was, she steps forward. And she was healed by her faith. Did Jesus, not, well, obviously take the deity out of there out of the picture, but there was a reason why he was asking who touched him. 
she, out of her faith, was healed because she knew who Jesus was. She knew his authority, and she was doing everything she could to get towards him. And because she touched him, knowing that she would be healed, not even Jesus extending himself towards her, because of her persistency and her grit, she was healed because of her faith. Now, this is not a prosperity type of gospel message, but for whatever reason, God responds to our faith and our movement that when we respond to the goodness of his character and we know him to be a good father, it's cool to see how God responds. But the thing is, we want to see God move, but we don't want to do anything to actually pursue him. We are such stubborn children that we sit here pouting and we want mom and dad to pick us up or we want mom and dad to give us gifts and do this, but we won't make an effort. We, we, just, we just expect everything to be given up to us like a spoiled, rotten kid. Think about yourself and how you view God and how you would appreciate your kid acting the same way you acted towards your heavenly father. Because you are acting like a spoiled, rotten kid, expecting God to bend over backwards for you. I love you. I feel like I had to say that right there. This is out of love, um, but it's serious. Um, there is a picture, uh, I think it's by Da Vinci or someone, I don't know. Maybe Da Vinci was a composer, I don't really know. But I remember seeing this picture and I use it for a lot of different videos I create where it's a painting and it's God reaching down from heaven and extending himself uh, to try to reach Adam. And Adam is daintily putting his finger out and like reluctantly like, okay, God, I guess I'll try to make contact with you. And I think that is such a clear picture of humanity and God. And even the Christian religion, why Islam thinks it's blasphemous that why would a God inhabit a uh, man? That he would come down this earth, be born of a virgin, have his diapers changed, uh, nailed to a cross. Humility was blasphemous to them. This idea um, of that just doesn't, doesn't even make sense. That God would bend over backwards to reach us, even to the point of death on a cross. It feels blasphemous. Think about that. A God of all creation dumbing himself down, now that might not be the right words, but simplifying himself to come into your reality so you would understand who he is. God's not a human. Newsflash, he's not a human, but he wanted you to encounter him and meet you in your own reality. And in, in this human mindset that we have, it's absolutely amazing. He's done everything, but yet we sit here and look at God and say, it's not good enough. The breath in your lungs is not good enough. The death on a cross to purchase you back to give you eternal life, that's not enough. We look at God like a religion and he's not a religion, people. I think this is the reason why a lot of people leave their faith. Um, we, have a, we have an encounter with God and I, I've... I've heard this of people I've disciple like I'm discipling and it's it's cool because um a, uh, a guy of mine he recently gave his his life to Christ and uh and he was telling me something that almost was like 
supposed to be like a bad thing that I should like pray about. Uh, and at the surface, it did look like that, like, oh, bummer, like I need to be praying for you. But it actually was really cool and it showed that God was doing something in his heart. He had been, a, uh, he had been living this, this other life in sin, uh, but now since he's encountered the true uh, God of the Bible, um, those things that once brought him fulfillment weren't doing that anymore. And so he was actually miserable because the things that he once enjoyed, he couldn't enjoy anymore. And since he wasn't doing anything in his faith, he was really dead in his tracks because he was, he was caught between, there's no really life that's coming from the, what I experience now with God and this past life that I was living because that doesn't even bring fulfillment anymore because I know what the truth is. So he's sitting there and is dead in his tracks uh, struggling. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. They, they go to a retreat, they go to a service, they have a feeling, they raise their hand during service to accept Jesus into their life, but they don't do anything with it. They haven't been discipled. So they think that because the feeling is no longer there, that they are doing something wrong and God doesn't want to encounter them. But that is far from the truth because it even says in the Bible that faith without works is dead. A lot of you are watching and when was the last time you witnessed to someone and was a carrier of the good news and not just a consumer of it? That the reason why you're bored with the faith is because you haven't moved out of your comfort zone and and moved out of an area where it requires more than just your own capabilities and it requires God to meet you and, and you have to get on your knees and pray for his divine encounter because with your own ability, you would not be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish. That faith without works is dead. And when you're not doing anything, Satan has an opportunity to come and cloud your judgment and cloud the, your, the character of God. It says, a common saying, I'm sure you've heard it, is devil, the devil makes work for idle hands to do. I think this is how we come up with all these foolish ideas of God and different theology. It's because we're doing so much thinking that it hasn't become productive anymore. We have psyched ourselves out and have jaded our view of, of, of and, and become bored with our faith that we have rendered ourselves um, useless. Because we're doing so much stinking thinking and want to just be... Um, feel smart and thinking about these lofty concepts, but we haven't actually done anything. We're just sitting in our chair, listening to an online message and not even attending church because we're trying to cross off the list. And I think a part of us, we, we think that God is going to move in some type of way if I, if I make this a routine. But if you made your marriage a routine, you're, you'd end up divorced. Why? Because a relationship requires more than just you fulfilling a checklist. Because you can be present, but not be present. My mom always at the dinner table would tell me if I was on my phone, like, are we present? Was I, I was there, but I wasn't engaged. A lot of you are there, but you're not engaged with Jesus. You're letting the motions go by just like the Pharisees did where they were doing all the fulfillments of the law but they missed the son of man that stood before their faces. Don't get so busy with the tasks and miss the whole point of your purpose and existence in this life is to serve your creator.
and be in relationship with him. How beautiful is that? But we've thought about all these different ideas and so we've psyched ourselves out into doing anything. People are leaving the church not because we're a less spiritual generation. People are leaving the church because they see Christianity as less powerful to the point where they are looking to a rock, not the rock. They're looking to a rock to provide them energy and nirvana or whatever. I don't know the other, the sayings to it, but I've literally seen that they're recharging by looking to rocks. Friend, that is not the truth. But do you see the problem? People are looking in every direction and trying to find some spiritual awakening because they don't see that in the church. It's because Christians aren't taking up their responsibility and taking up their cross and setting an example or seeing a life that is fulfilling following this Jesus. People have become bored with their faith because they don't see Jesus anymore. It's because we're not the incarnate form of Jesus Christ. They don't see Jesus in us. They just see a manipulative religion that wants their money and wants their behavior. I think we don't understand our purpose. Our brains and pride is getting in the way of our purpose, which is a relationship with our creator. I was reading this week and uh, it actually comes in Matthew eleven twenty five, And it was a study I was doing um, because people always ask, okay, if God is real, why did he make it so hard? If your God is so good, why did he make it so hard for people to come to him? I'm going to read you this and you're going to understand. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Matthew 11:25. He didn't make it hard for you. He did not make it hard for you. I could tell you the gospel right now in 10 seconds. Maybe not 10 seconds. I'm not counting right now. That just put a lot of pressure on me. Your sin separated you from God. Your original purpose was to have a relationship with your creator. But due to your free will, you rejected the gift of life for your own knowledge and wisdom. The wages of your sin was death, but the gift of, uh, of God is eternal life. And that gift has a name and his name is Jesus. He came down, lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and offered himself as a holy and perfect sacrifice. He who knew no sin became sin, hung it up on the cross, took in the wrath of God, where God literally turned his face away from his, only one, his one and only son, took the punishment, said it is finished, willingly gave up his spirit, was in the grave for three days, rose again. And now when we believe in Jesus, we have a life because he traded his life for our death and has purchased our sin and our curses and the wrath of God. So we don't have to experience it, but only if we believe in him. That is how simple it is. That'll save you. That belief will save you. Nothing else, not your good works or good deeds, but we have complicated it. So that just shows you that you making all these theological claims and doing all this digging is good. But if it's for building up your faith or witnessing to other people, but you have, you have fled the, the uh, early and innocent devotion to Christ and have been deceived by the serpent. Paul talks about that. I can't remember the scripture at the top of my head, but it says, 
he says, I am afraid that you will be swayed away, basically, from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ and be deceived by the serpent's cunning. You can look that up. That we have been deceived by the serpent's cunning, this, this idea of knowledge, what we took from in the original beginning of creation, that there was a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We tend to reject life and want to create a concept and construct a, a box for God to sit in so we can manipulate him and leverage his power because we don't want a personal relationship. That's what we're talking about today. That ultimately, my goal for you Friend, I want you to encounter the Spirit of God like you never have before. I want you to encounter the presence of God right now where you sit, where it just makes you want to get off your butt and go to Walmart and go tell someone about Jesus. That's what I want for you, not a religion that, that brings death upon your life. I want you to encounter the presence of God. But if you don't understand your next step, you're going to have another feeling and you're not going to know what to do. But the truth is you need to be discipled and you need to have a game plan. So we're going to go through Hebrews chapter 11. And this chapter is all about faith. We aren't all on the same stage of our life. And today we're going to be talking about three different stages and relating them to three different people in the Bible and identifying which one you are so you can make that first step. Not daintily waiting for God to make it for you. You're not a spoiled kid. Now, faith is confidence and what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, like me with the Vikings. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand what the universe was formed at God's command so that what is, un, what is seen was not made out of what was visible. The first, and we're going to go through these pretty fast. The first is Moses. Now, Moses was an Israelite. But because there was, a, there was an order that um, Pharaoh, the, the ruler of Egypt, had made that all firstborn baby boys were to be uh, killed, that, that Joseph's mother uh, with faith, or Moses' mother with faith, sent, put him in a manger, like a little basket and put him in the river, the Nile, uh, to float down and hopefully he would have a better life. Now, okay, I... I um, know what you're thinking right now. She's a terrible mother and was just trying to, that took extreme, she, she had to heard from the voice of God to do that because with croc, I would rather have him a quick death than with crocodiles because that's pretty insane. But this is the faith that she had. Moses was originally an Israelite, um, but he was then actually adopted into an Egyptian royalty that Pharaoh's daughter had, had taken her as her own. When he floated down the Nile, he ended up in uh, Egyptian royalty's hands. Now, because he grew up and was Egyptian, he reject, but he rejected Egyptian identity to take on the suffering of his people that were in bondage at the time. Now, this is the faith, and we're going to get into this after we read, but this is a little backstory right here in uh, verse 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure, treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. It was a looking ahead to his reward. Now, in America, this is our reality. From the rest of the world, we have an inheritance on earth like Moses did if we claim an Egyptian 
reality and identity. We as Americans experience freedom, wealth, and prosperity regardless of our religion. The rest of the world, the choice comes with more weight. Who are you? Are you living in Egypt? Or are you trading your identity for what is unseen? Again, your faith will inform your actions. This is not about a behavior, but a response. What is in your heart? Our mindset with Christ is that I live a miserable life and I just have to suppress my primal desires. But if you're in love with Jesus, it doesn't seem that way. Paul was in a literal prison cell. Paul, a person that wrote a majority of the New Testament, was in a prison cell. And following Jesus and, and, and these disciples that were being beaten, whipped, and, and cursed by their peers, it was, a, it was a joy to be able to serve them. But why? What they saw in their reality, where they were literally shackled, beaten, and whipped, their reality was gloomy and terrible, what they could see with their eyes. But they knew and they were joyful because they weren't looking at what was around them. They were looking at what was ahead of them. With faith, they believed what God said, that there was a reward before them and that they would receive that when they would die, which is eternal life to be with their father and their creator. So this was a joy. This reality that we experience right now is fleeting and they recognize that. But do you recognize that? Moses did. He could have lived a perv. He could have lived a nice life being royalty. Imagine being the president's kid. Imagine being or even like in a, let's say a dictator type relationship uh, you being in a family where you literally have riches of the whole entire uh, nation that, that you rule over. You would have everything at your fingertips. Why would you reject that? There's no reason to unless you know that there's something greater. That this <laughs> wasn't even a question. I want eternal life. And I reject the life that I have here that I can see because I believe in God and what he has for me. Your faith dictates your actions. Your faith and your sacrifice shows that. It shows what you believe when rubber hits the road. But as Americans, we don't encounter that. See, there's a lot of things that we can tangibly see, but I feel like a lot of us are, are just living by that. That there was a, there was a Japanese war veteran that was still in the forest uh, at Guam, what now is Guam, was roaming around the forest thinking the war was still going on for 28 years. 28 years. His reality, see, he had not seen the surrender uh, of Japan and thought he was still at war. And because he hadn't seen it, he was still living in the reality that the war was still going on, even though 28 years later, there's literally been... Uh, death and and birth of of kids who've come back from war, but he is still living in the in like the the trenches of it all, thinking that this is still his reality. And I think a lot of you are like that Japanese war veteran that you are living here on Earth and thinking this is your reality, but have failed to realize that Japanese lost and surrendered, that the the enemy has lost and surrendered. And the riches that he promises you are fleeting and they are going to end up in the eternal lake of fire. That all the rewards that we experience here on earth, it says they're going to be tested by flames uh, when we have to step before judgment. The only, you cannot bring anything with you. You cannot bring anything with you. Your, your riches, your cars, your, you can't bring that with you. So do you believe... In, in the scene and, and do you worship what is here and now 
and just want to uh, be a fair weather fan, uh, like the, the person that sees that their opportunity for a relationship uh, with, with like a pro athlete now because of the riches that they can give them, but didn't want to be friends with them when they were a middle school and a nerd. It's that type of mindset that if we saw someone do that and clung to someone or like a dad that was gone and absent and then comes around when the guy, when the son goes to like the NBA or the NFL or whatever and now has riches, what would we see them as? Now take a look at yourself. How do you treat God? Are you a spectator? This is the first thing. Are you a spectator? Now, if you could be watching a game, you can, might have a little bit of money or whatever, but you, but you have nothing. You could be a Fairweather fan because you have no skin in the game. I could claim Rams or I could claim um, uh, the Bengals. It doesn't matter. No one knows the difference because I haven't really stepped out. It's all in my brain. It has not moved past the tangible. The next person is a fan. Are you a fan? And a person at, at, at the Bible that I see this as is a, na- a man by the name of Abel. Now I'm going fast through this. In the beginning of time, there was two sons. It was the son of Adam and Eve, two of them, Cain and Abel. Now, if you've heard, I'm sure that you heard about the, the disgruntled family uh, where Cain literally took a rock because he was mad at Abel and killed him. Now, you've heard about that story, but it's funny that the, this Bible and this scripture, when it talks about the ancients, ancients were commended for, it doesn't talk about Cain, uh, even though Cain usually overshadows Abel. They talk about Abel. Now, Abel gave a sacrifice to God that God honored and showed favor on Abel. But Cain, his brother, gave God a sacrifice where God did not honor. He still accepted it, but it wasn't honored like Abel was honored. And Cain got jealous and ended up killing Abel. Now, this is where the the verse starts. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. It wasn't by a behavior. We look at this and I think this is why we idolize Cain is because we we overemphasize what he did rather than what Abel did. That there is a reason why why God looked at Abel's offering better than Cain's is because Abel's was a bigger sacrifice. Now, now sacrifice uh, can look very different. If I am, sacri- let's say like I'm fasting something. So I'm just going to, to um, uh, get, let's say I'm giving up something. I'm going to give up something for 30 days. I'm going to give up eating vegetables for 30 days. Oh my goodness. Oh man, I, God, I just give you these vegetables. I thank you. I, I don't know how I'm going to go without this, but I'm giving up these vegetables. Now, as you can see, I'm not the best in shape. I'm not an athlete anymore. Well, I am. I play pickup, but that's about it. Uh, I could eat better. But vegetables, that's not going to be a hard thing for me to give up. And, and that's what Cain was doing. He was giving God his leftovers and wasn't giving him his first. Now, there's not, there's, there's, there is, uh, there's something wrong with that. I don't want to say there's nothing wrong with that because it shows, again, what is unseen, our faith, it's, it's actions. It's, it's belief in what, what is unseen. Our actions reveal our faith and, and sacrifice. The way we sacrifice is a good way to identify where our heart's at. If this is all fleeting, then God, it's all yours. I don't care. Have it all. It's yours anyway. And that's what Abel did, gave his first. 
to God. That's why God honored him, because it is what is unseen that is more important. Cain gave him his leftovers, and it was a routine, and he was half-heartedly giving, where Cain, where Abel gave everything. It was, it was his first, it was his best that he put forward. It wasn't his hand-me-downs. As humans, we're again, we're obsessed with behavior. So I think we look to this story and we just say, God is such a jerk and he's so manipulative and he picks favorites. But as we just saw, that was not the case and we totally missed the point. There was a difference in the gifts by what it meant to them and what sacrifice was. It's dependent upon the giver. There isn't a price tag. Uh, what Abel gave to God was his first. Just like when Jesus commended the woman that gave her only coin in comparison to the men that were were just showing off and giving everything they could in the in the, the little offering bucket. But this woman gave more than all of them because it was held more monetary value to her because it was everything. It was it was in monetary value of in and of itself wasn't a lot of money, but to her it was everything. She gave it all to her to 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 God. God looks at the heart and judges your heart. And judges the things that are done in secret. He doesn't, he doesn't have a type of currency. The currency he has though is faith. Well, who are you? Are you a fan? Are you a spectator? A fan now has given a little bit. They give their money. Uh, they give their attention. Um, there, there is a type of pride when you're a fan of something. But ultimately you ain't in the game. And this isn't affecting your livelihood like the players in the NFL right now that wins and losses actually account for if they're putting food on the table. There's a little bit more tied to it than you just being a fan because you can still go home and go to your 9-to-5 job. This is, if you're a player, it's your life, it's your everything. Are you a fan or a spectator? And the third is, are you a player? No, not like a player, like a player. But are you a player? Are you in the game? And the next person we we're talking about is Abraham. Um, and we're just going to go into the story and then we'll kind of unpack it a little bit. And, and, and by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. You're meaning against logic? He didn't know the outcome, but he, he still obeyed? This doesn't make sense. Even though he didn't know where he was going, he still obeyed. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Wasn't given to him yet. The thing promised to him was not given to him yet and lived like a stranger. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Please understand me when I say this. Your logic is keeping you at an arm's distance from God. Now, I'm not saying throw your, your, your logic in the trash because God gave you a rational brain. But there is time and time again throughout Scripture where we have a choice to tell the tree of life and laying down our rationale and our logic and things that seem to be true from a humanly perspective or take on the knowledge of, of good and evil and what Alex has to say. Before we reasoned what was possible for man, but now we trust in God for him to accomplish 
what he has promised. It requires you giving over your mind so you can stay, take a step into the unknown. The unknown is where, you're, where God is closest to you because you have to stay close to his side because your environment is unfamiliar. Abraham went to a place where he did not know. It was against his own logic, but he still obeyed God because his, his obedience to God was not tied to his own human logic and what made sense, but he trusted God's character and, and, and even though he couldn't see it, he still trusted that God was good and God was not going to lead him astray. Your logic is keeping you from God. I, I, I love the, the reaction videos of the haunted house, um, like on those Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon type shows where, where they're taking like grown men throughout these, these haunted house and getting their reactions. And they're just, they are tied to like the, the woman leading them through. I saw one of them, I think it was Ellen, where they are just... They're, they're closed up and they're tied to um, the person leading them through uh, the, the maze. Uh, <laughs> these grown men just, just shivering and, and, and getting so close to their guide because it is, you, don't, you can't see anything. You're going through some unfamiliar. There's things that are jumping out that, at them and they're just, they're, they're big dudes and they're freaking out going through this haunted, haunted maze because you don't know and you're uncomfortable and you're on the edge of your seat because you don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's the same mindset that we have to take on when we're following God. God, I know that there's going to be a lot of different things that are coming out. God, I trust you at your word, even though I know this might come with a little bit of inconvenience and, and, some, and some fear. And it's scary, but God, I stay close to your side knowing that you know the way out. You know the way out of this haunted house, if you will. The craziest thing is that, uh, that I hear is that if I get to the end of my life, and there is nothing. What if it all was just for nothing? Because denying yourself and putting others first was such a terrible thing. We aren't living, we aren't just living to die. God still encounters us today, but your apathy will not lead to discovery. Take a chance. What do you have to lose? The biggest risk that you can take is to do nothing. I think that about when there is zero, zero time left on the clock. I think when I'm playing Madden or I see these different games that are going on, and if I have one play to call, there's a timeout, clock is stopped at one second. I have one play. Do I kneel it or do I go for a Hail Mary? Now you, if you know football or anything, like, you don't need to know football to know that why, why not just go for it? If they intercept it and run it back, I've already lost anyway. But if I kneel, there's no opportunity or chance that I would even have to winning because I didn't take, I didn't, I didn't take a risk. Like I didn't do anything. And if you look at it, there's not even a risk to it because it's already a technical great moral life that would make you look really good to other people if that's your goal uh, because you're, you're putting others first, but that's not the point. But I think a lot of us are just taking a knee and playing it safe because they don't want to look like a fool. But what do you have to lose? Why not just launch the sucker up and, and pursue God with everything that you have because you owe it to yourself to step outside of your comfort zone because there is more to life than a nine to five job that brings fulfillment or getting married or buying a house or raising kids or retiring and dying. You are more than that. You are made for more than that. We have the stubbornness of a five-year-old 
throwing a fit and wanting to do things our way and just waiting God for God to encounter us, but you have it totally twisted if that's your mindset. Now, as we went through this and the different stories in the Bible, I'd encourage you to look up and read for yourself and see what God has to say and open your heart and you have eyes to see and ears to hear and you will be judged for what you heard today that you'll get to the end of your life and say, I sent my messenger Alex to speak to you that one time where you were sitting in your car. What did you do with that message? You're without excuse, it says in the Bible. Whatever stage you are at with your walk, don't stop. Keep going. God isn't waiting for you to fail. He anticipates you like a father waiting on, for his, waiting on his kid to, to learn how to walk for the first time. He anticipates you to take that first step towards him like a proud daddy waiting for his kid to, to embrace him. He's proud of you, but you got to keep going. Sin is turning your back and stopping trying and, and no longer pursuing God because the devil makes work for idle hands. You need to stop. You need to get out of your head of the shame and what other people are thinking and look to your father that is so proud of you and wants to embrace you. But how is he going to do that if you aren't even taking a step towards him? He cares for you too much and loves you too much to, to take over your free will. Whatever stage you're at, I encourage you to open up your heart to what God has for you. God has dreams for you like Abraham. God has a life that's so much more than riches like Moses. Uh, but you need to sacrifice like Abel and give up your own logic and what you think to be right and, and give him your heart. Give him everything, not just your leftovers. God, I pray for those who are watching on the screen right now, Jesus. God, I don't care where they're at. God, I pray that the presence of God would fall in their cars, fall in their homes, Jesus. Would you encounter them wherever they are watching right now? Jesus, I pray that they would have a personal relationship with you that stems beyond uh, just a, a pastor. God, I pray that they would interpret your word and you would remove the veil from their heart, God. And when they hear this word, that it would develop roots Jesus, God, I pray for a life across the screen right now. God, would you breathe, breathe life into their bones, Father. God, as they, as they meditate on this word this morning and go throughout their days and their weeks, God, I pray that they would be thinking about you and what their next step would be. Father, speak to them in your name. Amen.